listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Pharmacy benefit managers, better known as PBMs, are responsible for negotiating payment rates for a large share of prescription drugs distributed in the United States. Recently, state Medicaid systems, policymakers, and national pharmacy associations have expressed concern that certain PBMs' business practices may not be consistent with public policy goals to improve the value of pharmaceutical spending. This podcast series is all about PBM reform. Listen to the discussions, share these podcasts, and help build a new pharmacy payer system, which supports our independent community pharmacies, encourages fair and transparent competition in the marketplace, and most importantly, is designed to deliver the best patient care. Hey, welcome to the PBM Reform Podcast, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm the founder of the Pharmacy Podcast, Todd Yuri. I'm excited when I get to have people in the studio because it's just more fun. I, I mean, Zoom is one thing, but I am uh, Zoomed out. I have Zoom for fatigue. Um, and it's been conference season, so it's been wonderful to spend time with many of our pharmacists and pharmacy innovators throughout um, our profession. Just got back from the NASP, the National Association of Specialty Pharmacy. Thank you so much, Sheila Arquette, for, um, for allowing us to be your press and media sponsor. That was fun, and that series is coming out. We were also at Softwriters uh, User Conference, and that was also um, an enjoyable time with our long-term care pharmacies. Long-term care is changing, and we see it going both ways, from community pharmacy to long-term care and long-term care services at home, as well as long-term care pharmacies now starting to get into home and at-home care. So this is going to be an interesting year coming up in 2024. PBM reform is a big part of our conversations here on the Pharmacy Podcast Network um, I like having uh, resources and people in my life as well and in my community who we can rely on and talking with us. I want to welcome back um, to uh, the show, uh, to Pharmacy Podcast Network, Eric Cushy uh, from Curtis Pharmacy. Thank you, sir. Hey, what show were you on originally? I, can, I can't even remember. I do too many. We do too many shows. Uh, we were talking about RX Safe Strip Packaging. And, uh, oh, yeah. From RX Safe. Pharmacy. Yes, exactly. Sir. We'll be working with RxSafe at the um, NCPA event. They're going to be doing a panel discussion on um, growing your uh, cash-based business as well as uh, getting ready for the DIRFE apocalypse, which is going to be part of our conversations today. But my next guest uh, from Montgomery, um, you're a Pennsylvanian, so that's good. Yeah. Um, is Seema. I want you to introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Seema Kazmi. I'm from Bucks County, Pennsylvania, specifically uh, Morrisville, Pennsylvania. I've been a pharmacist over 17 years uh, and practiced in community pharmacy, pharmaceutical industry, as well as uh, managed care. And you're on the board of the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association, my own association. So shout out to the PPA. Yes. And I also served as Speaker of the House of the Maryland uh, Pharmacists Association as well. All right. So I want to jump in. And if you're watching uh, on YouTube, uh, you'll see all three of my guests throughout today's uh, recording. However, you're probably listening on podcasts. Um, it's fun to have people in the studio. Uh, Seema, I'm glad that you came out. How long was the drive on the great uh, uh, turnpike of Pennsylvania, my, my least favorite road to travel in the nation? You know, some parts I, I took the scenic route. So um, I saw a sign that says dangerous mountains ahead. <laughs> and I, you know, I forged on, but you know, I'm here. <laughs> I'm so uh, 
you know, it's a very, it's very beautiful. Yeah, very it, beautiful it is. It, it is a scenic, it is a scenic drive. I do love Pennsylvania from the scenic pr- perspective. Um, I'm not sure if you realize this, Eric, but did you know that um, Pennsylvania gets 78 days a year of sunshine and that's it? Well, today's certainly one of them. It is a glorious day. <laughs> it is a day. And Eric, you uh, drove your um, your motorcycle out here, huh? I did. See, that's I got to get back into biking. Um, uh, we have, um, lo- I've lost that feeling that you get from riding that you only get from riding and I like want it back. So that's a little side note for our listeners, just about us and our guests. Seema, I'm going to start with you. Give us a little background on, on your interest in PBM reform. I kind of want to kick things off with an article that you brought to our attention, which was Kentucky's attorney general office files lawsuit over alleged insulin pricing scheme. And um, this is an interesting time where we know that um, that insulin's been sens- a sensitivity. It's been in the national news a lot. Um, but just give us your your overall um, viewpoint on PBM reform and the impact specifically around affordable insulin. Sure. So the Inflation Reduction Act um, capped insulin for seniors and those on Medicare um, for $35 a month. Um, unfortunately, that law does not apply to commercial um, plans. So states across the country have basically passed laws uh, to impact populations that get their insurance through commercial and uh, employer groups. And uh, so not only Kentucky, but multiple states, California, Ohio, Kansas, Mississippi, they have all filed uh, lawsuits against uh, manufacturers and pharmacy benefit managers in their role in the insulin uh, pricing. And basically, you know, they're saying, hey, you make insulin for X amount of dollars. Why are patients and consumers being charged, um, you know, this amount of money? And I believe uh, Letitia James, the attorney general of New York, she actually secured a five-year contract or an agreement uh, with the insulin manufacturers that even for uninsured patients that the cost will be $35 a month. So insulin, unfortunately, is the poster child of the dysfunction in our pharmaceutical uh, Mm -hmm. pricing uh, scheme. And even in in Congress, you know, I attended a Senate hearing back in the spring, uh, and and there's bipartisan support to reform uh, this at the federal level as to how, you know, insulin is, is being accessed. But again, the Inflation Reduction Act only impacts uh, patients on Medicare, but we're hoping in the future uh, we can impact, you know, greater number of lives and and patients by applying it through other uh, payers as well. But uh, the since you have so many state attorney generals with an interest in this, I'm hoping, you know, something can push it at the at the federal level as well. Thank you, Eric. I want to turn to you because. There are um, angles and perspectives coming from the NASP. I heard a lot of things talk around rare disease and raising money for rare disease coverage, not only private, but some of our state uh, tax money that's dedicated to that. And that was one of the two sessions that were there were just all about that component. Then we talk, you know, SEMA talks about um, how it might impact our, our seniors. Community pharmacy, I feel like, I don't feel like I know it's the melting pot for all 
instances. You may have a specialty patient. You may have a long-term care patient. You may have, you know, just your average Joe antibiotic patient, but it's impacting your community, your community. Well, it is. And, you know, just some background to what she spoke to. I'm old. I've been doing this for 29 years. I remember when insulin was less than $50 a vial. Um, you know, you can go to the largest retailer in the country and buy insulin without a prescription for $25 a vial. So the game has become newer, greater insulins, um, much higher list price. And then we rebate those monies back to the PBM. Um, you know, you flashed up a box of a Lily product that has a Lily makes their own quote unquote generic insulin that no insurances cover because there's no rebate on it. Mm. So we're back to this rebate game. And we have much higher list prices and it's the consumers paying for it. The pharmacy, you know, we're at everyone's mercy for this. So um, maybe they want to peel back that onion a little bit too when it comes to insulins. What, what doesn't our Congress people or senators or the state, um, you know, I think of PPA's relationships with, our state senators and and helping them to understand, but what should we be communicating even at a Pennsylvania level? This is going to affect the nation, but let's talk about since Pennsylvania is our state, Seema, let's, let's talk specifically. What do we tell them? How do we educate them on this? So Pennsylvania, um, and this is why it's important, you know, who your attorney general is and who are is your auditor general and who are in these key roles in in your state, right? So we have Michelle Henry in the attorney general's office, uh, Timothy DeFore currently in the auditor general's office. And basically, you know, you want to bring this matter to their attention. And, you know, you can go through your state legislators, you can write to them directly. I mean, our, our U.S. senators, uh, Bob Casey and John Fetterman, they support, you know, they supported the Inflation you know, Reduction Act for you know, the in- decrease the uh, or have capped the insulin at $35 an hour for, se- a dollar for uh, seniors. But um, as far as, you know, greater impact, um, unfortunately, in the Senate, we fell short by three votes to have it apply to other payers as well. So if we can get you know, more centers on board on, on the federal level. And then at the state level, you know, you have the attorney general and auditor general that maybe can do some investigations um, into this issue uh, that can help at the, at the state level. But I mean, as far as our U.S. senators are definitely on board, um, Bob Casey and uh, John Fetterman, as far as your Congress uh, persons, um, I'm, I'm not going to call them out by names, but but you know exactly who voted uh, to support capping insulin and who didn't. So yeah. if this is something that's very important to you, you know, as a constituent and a citizen, you know, vote and support candidates that will uh, support the issues that are important to you, um, as well as, um, you know, talk to them and provide education to them. Hey, you know, this is why this is important. I, I think in the House, there's some since in the Senate, we have some bipartisan um, agreement on how patients and consumers should be able to access insulin. And there's agreement there. I think some work needs to be done on, on the House side, um, you know, getting that bipartisanship there. And I think if we can get that bipartisanship, you know, in the House at the federal level, I think we can come up with something very meaningful for all nation citizens that need insulin. But um, 
like I said, there's there's support in the U.S. Senate, bipartisan support, and I think in the House, hopefully, you know, if, if we can get some agreement. And I think, you know, addressing the PBM piece, may you may get that bipartisanship there. So um, hopefully, you know, in the House, if you can urge your legislators, um, you know, to, to work on this issue and why it's important to you. Yeah. What I think is, is every time you start something, every time there's an initiative, even if the ball is rolling, it takes an immense amount of time to get anything done that actually is meaningful in order to trickle down to the impact of community pharmacies staying in business so that people in their community that have zero healthcare services for miles away in order to have the coverage that they have. I think of, you know, you're in Fayette County, Eric, in, in southwestern Pennsylvania, um, and you have four locations. But when we start traveling up the mountain, when we start getting into West Virginia, I can think of some community pharmacies that are, might be 40 miles away um, of not having any healthcare services except that. And and we're now being subjective, subjected to what's coming, which is not healthy, I think, for public health, which is um, big changes to our PBM uh, and paying things at point of sale. So could you just, like talk about that too and how that's going to impact you? So, you know, there's a lot of discussion about pharmacy deserts these days, um, both rural and inner city. Um, you know, chains are closing stores. And if you would take a look at those closure maps, I'd hazard a guess there's a fair amount of those in inner cities, as well as maybe a town where there's multiple locations of the same. Um, these contracts that the, the PBMs push down to the pharmacies become more and more restrictive, um, makes it really harder for us to provide care in these communities, you know, we're, we're main street pharmacies. We're here to take care of the people in our communities. You know, to Seema's point, there's a lot of good things bipartisan being pushed at the federal level right now. Um, when, and if that makes it to us at the community level, is that 24? No, it's going to be 25 at the earliest. Something as basic. And, you know, we're talking a lot about insulin, but something as basic as having the States fair pay a, NADAC, which is a globally accepted acquisition cost for drugs, plus a legitimate dispensing fee in the Medicaid space, helps us to continue to take care of a lot of people in these communities. I mean, we're Fayette, we're Green, we're Washington County, there's a lot of Medicaid. And if you look at community pharmacy, there's a disproportionately higher amount of Medicaid people we take care of because we deliver, because we package, because we go in, into these communities and vaccinate these people. Um, you know, some of these things that she's talking about don't come to pass. You're going to see even worse pharmacy deserts. Yeah, that does uh, stress me out. Uh, Seema, you have also worked in long-term care pharmacy. Um, you know, I want you to share kind of, I mean, we're talking about people that have um, limited income. They yes. have specific income per month. They cannot spend any more than what they're spending. And all of a sudden, things start to shift that impact uh, getting other medications um, than just insulin. And I just want you to kind of share some of your experiences in helping to drive policy as well as um, your relationship and in, in what you're doing for our state too. Sure. So as far as, you know, medications in general, I always like to, you know, when discussing with, with, with legislators, give concrete examples of, you know what, when somebody comes to the pharmacy Manufacturer goes through the process of getting the drug on the formulary. Then the medication maybe needs a prior authorization, maybe requires step therapy, but you're at the pharmacy now and 
that medicine is not being adequately reimbursed to the pharmacy. They're losing. And that pharmacy is making a decision. Do I give somebody, you know, their medication that they need for their health or do I go out of business? And this is why, you know, this import, this issue is so important, you know, with the pharmacy deserts, with, you know, adequate access to care. This is definitely an access to care issue. If a pharmacy stays in business, never mind, you know, like I said, the manufacturer goes through the process of getting on the formulary. The pharmacy benefit manager puts it on the formulary. You have the pharmacy in network and then you're at the pharmacy and then the pharmacy is not getting paid. So all these issues in the pharmacy supply chain need to be addressed so patients can get access to their medications. And at the same time, you know, you're having healthier lives, but, you know, they're impacted by this. But this is definitely an access to care issue. And if it's not addressed by legislators, um, you're going to see more uh, pharmacy deserts. And the reason why Rutledge versus PCMA was so critical and important is because states were taking on the onus of trying to do something about it. I mean, these issues do not go away just because, you know, in the past, Congress turned a blind eye to it for whatever reason. Right. Um, so states took it upon themselves to try and address this issue. And then Rutledge uh, PCMA came out that gave them the absolute green light. Like, yes, you can go ahead. And now, you know, again, I'm hopeful at the federal level, we can get something done. But we need this, you know, yesterday. Otherwise, we're going to have, you know, I get phone calls from pharmacies, you know, they're getting half a million dollars taken away from them in DIR fees. Just, you know, they can't stay in business. Again, patients can't get their medication. I mean, this is not a sustainable pharmaceutical care model in our country. What is happening? So this is October is American Pharmacist Month. Want to give a shout out to all pharmacists nationally. If you're a pharmacist listening Mm -hmm. To this podcast, I just want to say thank you for what you do um, for the nation and doing your work. Um, I know that you sometimes feel unappreciative, appreciated. Not here, you are very much appreciated. But I want to, um, I want to shift gears to October. Not only is recon- recognition for what pharmacists do per se, but we know that open enrollment starts on October. Is it the fifteenth? Fifteenth. Fifteenth. So. Seema, I have heard, I don't understand it. You may have heard that one of the three big, big PBMs is um, not participating or not covering um, independent community pharmacies um, that are through the uh, the Medicaid.gov uh, website or something like that. Um, and I wasn't sure if you've heard like, what, what is being covered? Who gets to be in the network? Who gets the coverage? Who gets to play within state funds to, you know, to their, and, and, and this is where it starts getting heated for me as a taxpayer as to who gets to service customers, clients, and patients in their community and who doesn't get to care. Medicare. Yes. Medicare. So Medicare, Medicare. so Medicare, Medicare uh, I heard, you know, some concerns from community uh, pharmacists that um, they may not be participating because of the low reimbursements that is being offered by this one particular uh, PBM. And so there are thousands of pharmacies that basically will not be providing Medicare patients 
Medicare, pharmac- okay. Medicare patients uh, for this particular Medicare Part D plan sponsor um, pharmacy services. And again, with the issues of pharmacy deserts, a lot of patients on Medicare have disabilities. They're elderly and independent pharmacies offer specialized services to cater to these types of populations. The delivery service, you know, you know your pharmacist, it's the same person every day. Um, and again, if if this is not addressed with the reimbursements, with how these contracts are done with the pharmacies, you're going to get these pharmacy deserts. We already talked about that there are, you know, gaps, you know, 30, 40 miles. You know, you're an older person. How do you get there? How do you get your medication? You know, if a pharmacy is 40 miles away. Yep. So, you know, this definitely needs needs to be addressed. And, you know, as far as um, network adequacy, I think this issue definitely needs to be taken up. Eric, um, you have four pharmacies. Are they all in the same county or you have one in Washington County too, right? Two Washington, one Green, one Fayette. Two Washington, one Green, one Fayette. So if you count the number of uh, state representatives that would cross all three of those locations, that's three state representatives, I think. Four. 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 Okay. So the reason is, is because I think some of our Congress people, uh, don't understand the impact of P- of what PBM reform. If you, if you don't get reform, what it's going to do to your your state. <laughs> and um, so, I want to give a shout out to any of our um, politicians that I send this to because I am going to send it to you. Um, that if if you want to discuss this with a local community pharmacy, um, we can arrange that so that you can ask questions and we can formulate your plan and put it out to the public and and get some groundswell for support for you in uh, many of the coming uh, re-elections and, and leading up to 2024 too. I will tell you that I've had meetings with several of our state senators and state reps um, have been gracious enough to give me their time and understand who we are, what we do and our impact on the community. So they're listening, they're trying um, where it goes from there, we'll see. So one of the plans when we expand home care services, Eric, from the community pharmacy to the home, um, there's going to be services that you're going to be provided that if you're if you're listed under um, a classification of, of, I don't know if they call that long-term care at home yet or if that's going to become the new know. term. Um, but tell us a little bit about um, that initiative and, and what you're doing. Well, I'm, I mean, thing. You know, COVID changed a lot of things for a lot of people. Uh, assisted living facilities, personal care homes were closing or had problem staffing or, you know, maybe someone's loved ones weren't comfortable with the outbreak of COVID at that time. So we had a lot of seniors coming back into the community, but those seniors still need those services. They need someone helping them review their medications, someone packaging their medications, Um and look, the boomers, there's a ton of boomers and there's not enough beds for all of them. So CMS recognizes medical at home. Uh, many of the PBMs recognize medical at home as well. You know, it's packaging, it's delivery, it's pharmacist review, it's emergency services after hours. Um, but what we feel is there's an ability for us to keep seniors in their homes. Um, bigger picture if the powers that be take a look at this, it's much more affordable to keep a senior in their home for them to go to a facility and ultimately become a Medicaid spend mm-hmm. 
wins back on the taxpayer dollars in a different way. So, yeah, we're uh, big believers in medical at home. What about uh, things like remote patient monitoring or things that can be added on to some of this? Have you explored reimbursement for those kinds of things? We kick the tires, but there's two big, ugly gorillas in Western Pennsylvania that <laughs> like to keep all the cookies for themselves. <laughs> well, that's another thing, isn't it? it that is. should be another podcast. It could be. We'll, we'll, we'll one's get some purple, other... one's blue. <laughs> one's blue. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that is. So, um, Let's give a shout out to PPA. So Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association, my home association, they have an event coming up um, in November. I think it's November 11th. And I think that Pitt uh, School of Pharmacy will be hosting it. Um, Seema, are you going to? I will actually be. uh, We have also have an event. uh, If you're on the eastern side of the state, (laughs) we also have an eastern uh, regional conference. Um, I will be at that one. I'm one of the moderators uh, for the New Practitioner Forum. What's the date of that? That one is Saturday, October 21st. It's at my alma mater, uh, Philadelphia College of Pharmacy uh, in Philadelphia. And um, you can register online. Uh, It's an in-person conference. And it's geared towards students, new practitioners, or if you're a new practitioner at, at heart and want to hear from um, individuals from different disciplines. Um, and I'll be there too if you want to see me. Awesome. Excellent. So Pennsylvania pharmacists, our uh, PPA is very, very active and we're proud to support you in any way we can. We will be at the November 11th event supporting uh, the PPA. I'm looking forward to seeing some of my Pennsylvania pharmacists out there. But if there's anything that I can do as a podcasting network for the rest of the states, we'd love to advance what OPA is doing uh, out in Ohio and the advancement of of PBM reform, as well as uh, standing up for our chain community pharmacists that are going through a lot of stress right now throughout the nation and taking a stand and some of the walkouts that are taking place, which is controversial in itself. Um, do Do you um, you know, go to work or do you make a stand? Uh, how long is the stand? How, how long do we go without uh, coverage for our communities? But things have to change and sometimes you have to uh, stand on the line, um, unfortunately, to, to, um, to get things to change because, um, you know, profit organizations, people that make profit, uh, sometimes it can um, smear the vision of, of what's best uh, for public health. And, and I'm like you, Eric, I am a, um, I'm a capitalist, but I'm a libertarian leaning capitalist. Um, and I, I, see, I see political views in healthcare on both sides of the aisle, but I think that we have to have coverage. We have to have tax dollars working for people um, that can't afford maybe a private insurance. And, um, we have to keep writing the ship and balancing things um, in order to get people the medication that they need, the, the healthcare services that they need, and not burdening people with debt that they take on because they have some chronic illness. So, I mean, we know that. We work it every day. We're here. Um, I want to um, give um, the mic over to Seema to, to give some closing uh, statements as well as Anything that you'd like to call out or network with um, other pharmacists out there, especially if you'd like to do a um, another follow-up podcast, we'd love to have you come back. Well, thank you uh, for the offer, Todd. But um, what I want to tell pharmacists out there is, first of all, happy Pharmacist Month. And 
you are a key piece of the infrastructure of healthcare in this country. And we need you. And not only do we need you, you need to let your legislators know as well that your community needs you. And I think if we garner, and we have garnered quite a bit of support from the advocacy that you all have done over the years and, and don't give up. And um, one thing I am hoping for in the future is for us to get provider status. Yep. I think that'll be key in the invest, investment of our profession, but I'm here with you uh, in that fight and we're all in this together. And again, happy pharmacist month. Absolutely. Happy pharmacist month, Eric. Yeah. Hey, uh, thanks to all our pharmacists who do an amazing job. I mean, we're running multiple clinics each day this month of giving shots out in the community. You know, we take our shots to where the people are yeah. as opposed to trying to herd them all through the stores. Uh, you know, our pharmacists do a great job taking care of people in the community. It would be interesting to see how many more people we could take care in the community if we had fair opportunities yeah. with PBM contracting. Yeah. And if really PBMs returned to their original function, which was eligibility and moving the money around, not playing favorites, not playing reimbursement games, yeah. not holding monies back. Um, I think you'd see a bloom in community pharmacy, community retail, independent pharmacy. I agree. Truly. So if anyone's listening, PBM Reform Podcast, if you would like to um, come up with a subject that you'd like to drive, even if it's state specific, uh, we love this. We love this con. We love this uh, content and we think it's important to get it out to you. Please reach out to me. Um, you can find me at pharmacypodcast.com or any of our Instagram, our social media, our LinkedIn. If you just search Pharmacy Podcast Network, you'll definitely find us. Seema, I want to say thank you for coming in uh, from the East. Um, go Steelers, Seema. Go Steelers. No, I'm an Eagles <laughs> fan. Don't even go there. <laughs> um, at least I can say go Steelers to Eric, right? Are you a Steelers fan? I am. But how about we say go Pens? Go Pens. We're struggling a bit these days. See, yeah, I know. We didn't have a very good game last time. So, all right. So, but thank you for listening. Um, the PBM Reform Podcast. Shout out to our uh, American Farm. Shout out to American Pharmacist Month. Thank you so much for what you do. And we will talk to you next time. PBM Reform is not a textbook process. This component of healthcare insurance will take time to figure out and will consist of many different players of the pharmaceutical supply chain. If you'd like to contribute information, data, or your own insights on PBM Reform, please contact the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Send your email to publisher at pharmacypodcast.com or call us at 412-585-4001.